Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is dating someone with health issues. What do you need to know? Let's do this. Hey, hey, friends, this is Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kind of Dating. You know, one of the most universal experiences in life is heartbreak. Um, it happens to a lot of us, and there are some lucky SOBs out there who've avoided it, and God bless you. Um, but for those who it has happened to, it does not have to hold you back. Let me ask you this. Are you sick of checking your ex's Instagram over and over? Well, there is an app that will actually help you out with this. It's Mend. It is a self-care app for heartbreak that will guide you through your breakup with daily audio trainings designed by experts and community support. Uh, Mend also tracks your progress and helps you process your breakup through guided journaling, which I'm a big fan of as a writer. Um, this app is super legit, actually, guys. It's been featured in Vogue, Forbes, Refinery29, and more. Uh, the New York Times calls Mend a personal trainer for heartbreak, and Mend even caught the attention of the Jessica Alba, who is now an advisor. Um, the reason we're telling you all of this is because we have a special promo just for you, the kind of dating listeners, so you can find out why Mend users call the app a lifesaver. Go to letsmend.com slash kindadating. That's L-E-T-S- M-E-N-D dot com slash kind of dating for a free seven day trial because we all know heartbreak hurts, but you do not have to go through it alone. Now, I want to introduce my next guest. This episode is very close to my heart for many reasons. You'll find out soon. But I want to introduce comedian, producer of MTV's Girl Code and host of the podcast Ghosted Stories all the way from New York. We have Chelsea White. Hey, how's it going? Hey, go hey. Hey, uh, go. Chelsea joining us from New York. We yes. we always have awesome phoners with like great guests out in New York. Um, also because that was my home, so I tend to find, you know, the good ones out there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me all the way from the other side of the country. I, I know. know it's a pain in the podcast ass. <laughs> hey, no, this is this is super easy. Uh, technology, <laughs> you know, makes makes life much easier. Tell us about Make Ghosted Stories. So Ghosted Stories is a podcast I've been doing with my co-host and co-creator Aaron Leaf, uh, who's a writer, about, I guess, a little over a year now. I can't believe it's been that long. Wow. And it came about, because similar to you, just, you know, for many years was a serial dater. And then I fucked it up by getting into a relationship right when I started the podcast. Um, but Aaron kind of plays the, like in a stable committed relationship like living with a guy for seven years to my hot mess <laughs> uh, that's kind of where it all came about and we're both just you know like you and all of your listeners fascinated with human behavior and how fucking weird and messed up dating can be especially living you know in a metropolitan like city yeah. like new york or like la and we just wanted to figure out why people ghosted each other. And so that's kind of where the idea started. And then now we kind of have expounded from like, we do have people tell epic tales of being like horrifically ghosted. And we also just will talk about quote unquote, scary dating stories, you know, um, so just all kinds of dating trials and tribulations. 
That's really cool. I mean, I felt really bad earlier this year because I ghosted somebody I used to date. So I don't even know why. Like, it almost didn't even make sense for me to. I know, I know. But I mean, I made up. I mean, I apologized after. But oh, did you reach out? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, it was an old. It was an ex of mine who then became sort of a flex, which is like you know, I call it like a flexible relationship. Like totally. And so I just like we you know hit each other up when we needed something, and so. um, yeah, like way earlier in the year, I I came out of a breakup and then was and he, you know, was single. So we were both like, hey, what's up? Like, let's go out for dinner. And then totally like hooked up. I and I was such a dick about it. Like he, you know, it was like 2 a.m. And I rolled out of and I was like, oh, shit, I, I think I left my phone in the living room just so I wouldn't have to cuddle. And then, and then I got there and then I was like, oh, you know what? Shit, it's so late. Like, fuck, I have an early morning. I should go. And the funny thing is like, I said to him, I was like, oh, you know, I I should just go because like, I don't want to wake you up in the morning, but he's a morning person. So he always gets up at like six. And so it made no sense (laughs) what I said. And and I knew it and I knew he knew it because we used to date. He was an ex of mine. And I was like, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to go and then I left and just was an asshole and like didn't text him for months did he though try to reach out to you yeah okay and well, I just look. like sort of didn't no but then I then I hit him he back up for yeah and I made I, I called him back eventually I was like hey I'm really sorry like I was going through shit I probably shouldn't have like done any of that and I think like I didn't have the balls to like just come out and say that but at least like and right. he forgave me he was like it's okay I know you <laughs> I was like I'm sorry <laughs> I was like, sometimes I just get overwhelmed. Well, yeah. And that's what I feel like everyone says. It just comes down to feeling overwhelmed and frozen and like not knowing how to proceed. You know, yeah. and it happens to the best of us. Yeah. And then some people are just like heartless assholes. And that's not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel like everybody <laughs> I've like called back and apologized if I've ever done that. And I've been like, I'm so sorry. I just. Anyways. <laughs> so what's your deal? Single or in a relationship? So, yeah, I've been in a relationship for a little bit over a year now. And we, yeah, we met after, you know, I was kind of on this, uh, I don't know, like swearing off dating for a while. Because, you know, dating can be fun until it's not. And I was going through a period of like, this is just not fun anymore. It feels very torturous. And so I kind of deleted all my dating apps and shelved it for a while. And then I got back on and he was like the first person that I set up a date with. And it just... I mean, our first date was 4 p.m. on a Thursday at the Red Lobster in Times Square. And I show up wearing workout clothes because I was like, I'm going to go for an after because I'm definitely going to hate this asshole. And who cares? Everybody's garbage. And then it just, it just worked. So. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like because you take a break too, you like reevaluate what you want. And maybe you came back and like were more focused and like didn't even know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so today's topic is, uh, is, you know, dating with health issues. I think it works both ways, like for um, people like us uh, who have had um, either a condition or chronic illness or whatever, and for um, other people who, who dated us. Um, and I think like there's a lot of people going through things. So um, I'm glad that this topic came up because it's, like I said, it's really close to my heart. But I want everybody to know your story first. Um, tell us uh, about you and and why, you know, you wanted to address this. Sure. So I have Tourette. Um, 
and I was diagnosed very early on, fortunately. It's something that um, I've always been able to sort of be educated about. My parents were super on top of like getting me diagnosed and then helping me learn more about it and like see the treatments that I needed. But come to find out as an adult now that so many people live to be an adult without ever being able to like put a name to what they're going through. They're just like, am I insane? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, am I a crazy person? Uh, the answer is no. But yeah, as everyone listening probably has at least heard of Tourette and you probably think of it as like the crazy swearing disease, you know, because that's the most sensate, like easiest part of Tourette and easiest to, to sort of sensationalize because it's, you know, I mean, I'm trying to find like a delicate word because I always no like, don't even routine, don't even be like, delicate. I We're just about like, it, but I'm thinking if people are just meeting me for the first time today on your podcast. But yeah, I mean, of course, girl, like, I the, curse like a the... motherfucker <laughs> on this show. Are you kidding me? Okay, like, good. all right, I almost I I had a review that was like she curses too much, <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I don't curse at people, <laughs> so don't worry well, about it. Be you. Okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, everyone knows Tourette is like the crazy swearing disease, and that's all that anyone really, you know, it's like the biggest stereotype and the thing that people always like to joke about, and it is a type of Tourette you can have. It is one of the tics that people have, but it's actually a very specific type of Tourette called Cobrelia that less than 10% of people with Tourette have oh. and like I always like to say if I call you a fucking shithead I definitely mean it you know <laughs> this is not my dread yeah yeah it is not a tick that I have so um I think even when I was younger I didn't realize that that was a stereotype of it because I have um don't have any vocal tics like verbal tics I do have some vocal tics like coughing or maybe uh, making like a high-pitched noise like a dolphin which is a fun one for everyone around mm-hmm. me or just doing common things too that you see I mean everybody has some type of little tick right totally. Even if you have Tourette, like sniffing your nose maybe or kind yeah. of blinking your eyes and things like that and those are, you know, how my tics manifest themselves is things. I have one where I like wiggle my ears, which is weird, or where I kind of have to bend over in a certain way until I feel like a certain stretch in my back and strange things like that, that you, you know, when you think of Tourette, maybe you don't think of sort of these more interesting non-swearing tics, but that is how it manifests itself in the majority of people. And this is the only brain in life I've ever known. So to me, it's not weird, but I can totally. 150% understand how to other people it's fucking weird, you know, and I give so much credit to everyone in my life for um, not being, well, maybe they are driven totally crazy by me and my tics, but they don't tell me such. They maybe talk about me in private behind my back, which I appreciate. Nah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's definitely been um, a factor in my dating life, you know, having these sort of more or less uncontrollable, the other weird thing about trend, I guess think the misconception is that people think they're totally uncontrollable, like a reflex, when actually it's sort of this weird Mm in-between voluntary and involuntary, where it's like the most severe nagging itch that you've ever had, but 
that itch is your brain telling you to make these movements or make these vocalizations to the point where it almost can feel involuntary because the urge to like satisfy that itch is so strong. If that uh, makes sense. Yeah. 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 That it's just kind of like easier. You just kind of like get in the habit of like going through the motions of satisfying whatever that, cause it's a neurological disorder. So yeah. it's like satisfying those weird, you know, synapses that are firing incorrectly or differently than other people's brains that you just kind of are like, okay, this is socially fucking weird and embarrassing, but I'm so I'm more compelled to like satisfy that itch in my brain yeah, than, than I not. am exactly yeah. so and and how how did it affect like how did it affect your dating life well the way I always kind of describe it is I mean, maybe the opposite of what you would think I almost I used to joke like I wish I had these traumatic tales that I could fucking go write like a best-selling memoir about Mm -hmm. how traumatic it was for me to date with Tourette, but it kind of is a, I mean, secret dating weapon I've called in the past, you know, because I think... I like to bring it up early on and not in a like, oh my God, hi, I'm Chelsea and I have Tourette, you know, like it's one part of me. It's not like the subtitle under my name, like it's not my identity, but it's obviously in my uh, enormous part of like who I am and like the brain I have. And so I do usually either, maybe I will be ticking and people ask me about it on the first or second date, or it will just organically come up when we're talking about interests. And, you know, I'll mention I'm on the board of the, um, New York City's chapter of the National Tread Association. I've been a board member um, on that local chapter for like a decade now. And, you know, so I'll kind of weave that into it. Like, oh, I have a board meeting later. Oh, what board meeting? And then, then I'll talk about having Tourette. And it's just such an easy way to weed out the trash people. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, like, totally. Oh, it's sort of like a great way to judge someone's character by how they respond or, you know, obviously if they say something insane or stereotypical or gross, then you're like, okay, uh, that's all I needed to know. Or a lot of times though, I find that it's a really great icebreaker to kind of get to the nitty grit right away. And the other person feels compelled to sort of open up about something Mm -hmm. that they're dealing with. You know what I mean? Because obviously we all have something that we totally. feel uncomfortable about, if not many things. And, you yeah. know, Tourette is just, you know, I don't even know if it's necessarily one of the things I feel uncomfortable about talking about. There's lots of other things that I feel more vulnerable talking about, but it's kind of a good, like, way to segue into talking about, yeah, the real Deeper stuff, stuff we are yeah. as people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, so. I hear you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So, so I uh, I don't have Tourette's, but when um, when I was like 20, I'm aging myself now, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I contracted Lyme disease um, and oh, wow. I had it for seven years undiagnosed. So we did not know for wow. seven years why I was so ill, but I was extremely ill. And had everything from, um, you know, I, I mean, I literally disappeared in my last year of college. People were like, where did you go? And all my professors knew that, like, Tasha just really sick, but we didn't know what. And I had, right. you know, every test done under the sun to me and, like, every symptom from, you know, extreme just bodily pain to muscle failure to coordination gait issues. Like, I would be able to drive to work and not be able to drive back. Um, and so I had to eventually quit my job because I was like, I, I can't function like this. And my parents can't, you know, I would work right. like 45 minutes an hour away. And 
Um, and so, you know, I went through like the, the gamut of tests and eventually came to like MS or is it cancer or, you know, at one point it was like, is it a rare brain disease? And oh my goodness, yeah. that was some of the things that the doctor was bringing up. And yeah, like, because I, that you could know, be a possibility. Wow. Yeah, because I couldn't. I mean, at, at its worst, I was in bed, um, unable to move, and my mom had to feed me for two weeks because I couldn't even lift a spoon because I was so weak. And you know, doctors would come up to you and tell you, like, I had a doctor sit me down, a neurologist, like are you sure you're not depressed? Like, do you think I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you see me dying. <laughs> um, wow. And, and at some point, you know, actually even while, while it started at MTV, cause we're both, uh, Viacom alums. Um, I, you know, it progressed into things like where I would faint and have a random fainting spell and couldn't walk for a week. So for whatever oh reason, goodness. yeah, doctors could never figure out why I would have, like, I would lose the ability to move my legs for a week. And so, you know, working around all of that while living in New York and being alone and all of those things and trying to date, like, it was difficult because I also didn't know what to tell people because I didn't right. know, like, I was like, okay, so, like, I get sick sometimes and the symptoms were so crazy, like this, like the fainting stuff that I didn't even know what to say it was. I was like, ah. and then eventually... Seven years later, a random resident doctor was like, hey, you know, have you ever been checked for Lyme? And I was like, I don't know. They've checked me for fucking everything. And um, and then I got tested uh, for Lyme. The only thing that came, you know, uh, part positive, we got the medication, I took it and within like a month, my immunity went up. And then with it took about like two years to like get back to normal. But, um, you know, I had like I still live with like you still get periodic relapses there's like a whole thing of like it Lyme stays dormant in your body it never totally goes right. away and so I've had episodes through my life like you know on and off like I'll have periods where I just feel really ill and I can't explain to anybody why I feel so sick um and so or like you know there's just like random weaknesses and knee pain and I can't explain why my knees hurt and I'm like but it just really kills Um, and so you know uh, I've had to live with that and then like two years ago got in a really bad car accident where I got you know reared by a dump truck and got uh, oh my god (laughs) a a really bad head injury so I got like a concussion and severe whiplash and like nerve pain now fast forward two years from now I'm like good now but I still have like certain sensitivities especially for my my brain for like sounds and light and um, I just get really you know if I get tired like I need rest like I'm not somebody who can function on five six hours of sleep anymore Um, I need to like you know be rested I can't drink as much as other people can um right and just like you know some limitations with my neck like you you know you can't do certain things i can't be on roller coasters right now um sure but eventually in time it gets better and it's been interesting with dating because for me like i felt so like i like i didn't even want to put somebody else through it so for me like i would keep people at bay for so long Sorry, you were about to say something. Sorry. And no, no, no. And every now and then I'll lose you for like four seconds. So if I ever don't respond normally, (laughs) it just says, um, but especially like you not even knowing you weren't able to describe it yourself. Like you didn't know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up 
explaining it to guys that you were dating or did you just in that exact way like listen I have this weird thing it's as weird to me as it is to you like I have no fucking clue yeah I mean in the beginning I would just sort of uh, well I, I actually kept people at bay for a really long time a lot of the people I ended up dating were people who I'd been friends with so it kind of yeah, made the, like sense. they had known that I was sick or whatever yeah. um, that said I honestly did not pursue a serious relationship for five and a half years um, around that time and actually when I first had when I first had Lyme um, for two the first two and a half years I was very very ill and actually my I was in a, a relationship for two and a half years with somebody he broke up with me the week the doctor said I might have a rare brain disease not because of that but like because he just wanted out and I remember being like you piece of fucking shit like the week that I really needed you to just like hang on and be there is like because I never really got upset about it I was just like okay I'm sick like let's move on you know I just never tried to I didn't try to get I tried not to um, be down about it until that time that was like my first like nervous breakdown I was like brain disease um, and and rare <laughs> and like one that had like no cure. I was like, okay, this is fucking awesome. You're like that's literally yeah, checking off all the worst answers. Yeah, and uh, and I remember though after he uh, after that happened, I just sort of didn't trust people for a long time. And so, but that said, I would gauge like later as I started dating people, like you know around the like six year mark I'd already had it for a long time and I would date people seriously I would just see who was around or not around when I was sick and I'd be like oh if you could and again it's not like I require you know thank god like I didn't need IVs or something but right you know if I fainted and I actually broke up with a guy because I fainted once um, at MTV <laughs> MTV loved me for that um, <laughs> uh, and you know he actually used to work there too and people were like oh okay well he'll take care of you and he like didn't show up and I remember oh yeah and he, it was his own dumb shit and I remember breaking up with him and he like still regrets it to this day and I'm like yeah you should because that was just a shitty thing right. to do um But it's interesting because like you, like I tried to bring it up early and that's definitely something like I was curious about, like, you know, how early should people bring up the fact that they have something that they're dealing with, you know, whatever that is for them. Totally. I mean, I think, first of all, obviously it's different for everyone and it's whatever you feel comfortable with. But I think at a certain point, you know, I think it's just walking that fine line of as you're getting closer to somebody at what point is it weird? And you don't owe anyone anything necessarily, but yeah. like at what point would maybe like if the tables were turned, would you feel uncomfortable if someone was revealing something to you this late in the game, yeah. if that makes sense? You know, like yeah. if you're on date number six, which I mean, Jesus Christ, at this point, I feel like in New York right. City or LA dating, like you're about to be engaged. Yeah, you're but like married. you make it to date like six or seven with somebody, you know, and maybe if you haven't revealed it yet, the other person might feel a sense of like, oh, do you not trust me? You know what I mean? Like why? Or like what else you are you like, hiding? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you feel at a certain point it crosses a line to like, Hey, you can reveal things on your own terms to like, are you hiding it? But then at the same time, maybe then that's a good gauge to ask yourself the question. Like, why didn't I feel comfortable telling this person? And is that an indication? Because, you know, if you feel like you're getting close to somebody and like them, you would hope that along with that comes like, you you want to share that with them you know what I mean like you want to kind of share that part of you 
but it's yeah i think if you're dating i think if you're dating people casually and like you don't give a shit it's like all right whatever like you're just flexing with somebody you know that they don't have potential okay you don't need to divulge anything to them but if somebody has potential or you're dating somebody with the intention that like hey i want to meet somebody and it could be serious i do think like I always feel like give the other person, like for me, I always felt like I wanted the other person to make, like knowledge is power, right? So I, right. I, I always hated when people didn't tell me all the information in their life that was important for me to make a decision that was right for me. So I try yes, not to do that totally. to other people. You know, I'm always like, hey, maybe for you, you will honestly tell me, hey, I look, I feel really fucking sorry that like, I'm so like, not that I want anybody or you would have bought anybody to feel sorry for you. But you know, hey, I'm I'm sorry you're going through this. I just honestly don't think I have the capacity to handle that. I'd be like, cool, man, yeah. like totally get it. Absolutely. No, that's I mean, very good point. And also, and you touched on this a little bit, whatever it is you're dealing with, like if it is something, you know, health-wise, neurological, what have you, it, it's almost never just like, here's the one thing and this is the only one thing I'm dealing with. Like, I just make these random noises you have to deal with sometimes. Like, no, it's always multifaceted. Like, yes. the other reason I like to tell people about it maybe early on or as I'm getting close to them is not just so that they can know when I'm making a, a weird noise or a weird movement that like, hey, this is why I'm doing that. But also so many other things like having the Tourette brain and like having to always manage like these tick urges and all the other things that are going on. I feel like my brain is just sort of clogged up and half under, like I have to concentrate so hard just to get above the Tourette fog that Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people, you know, it can seem like I'm distracted or like, you know, I'm not totally focused on them, which is not the case. Like I'm just sort of dealing with all the other mumble jumble that's going Mm -hmm. on in my mind or like with the Tourette also comes for a lot of people and including me, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that affects my personality even, you know what I mean? And the way I live and the things I do day to day and having like a touch of anxiety on top of that. So it's like all these things that go together that sort of affect my personality even, or, you know, like, and that's where my boyfriend has been great. And I knew he was a special person when I saw how well he responded to that or you know just knows the right things to say or kind of knows like when I'm kind of having a bad day and like you know a lot of ticks or anxiety or whatever and can kind of doesn't take things personally you know because I think it's easy for the other person to at some point you know maybe not take things personally necessarily but like it can be overwhelming or it can feel like yeah you know, is this, is this about me though? Did I do something? Is that why mm-hmm. Chelsea's acting this way or Natasha's acting this way or feeling yeah. this way, you know? And so there's and like I, a lot of things going on. Yeah. I was going to say like, how, how have most people responded when you've said things to them? Well, I can't. And again, like God help me. I will never write that memoir yeah. about <laughs> people like spitting on me and punching me in the face. I wish I could write that memoir. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely had guys say just very run of the mill kind of like, oh, is that what, you know, swear it all the time? And you're like, okay. And it's not, it's like, okay. It's not like they're this total 
like fine. Everyone says dumb shit sometimes. But yeah. You just kind of know, like, especially I feel like if you're responding to something kind of personal with just like a dumb fucking joke, it's like, you know, you could just say something like normal or kind or like, oh, yeah, I'm dealing with whatever and like give me yeah. something reciprocal. Or but, just like um, asking, so, oh, tell me more about it. Ex- like, exactly. A very yeah. simple, I, like, I don't know enough. Like, what? what happens and you know in like a non like weird weirded out way exactly and you can tell when someone just feels I don't know and there's something this is just something personal for me like I don't when someone makes just like a weird dumb joke in response to anything it just is kind of like okay you get like we need I don't know. It's just like, can we take anything serious in your life? Like, are you, I feel like it's a sign of just like, they're being totally uncomfortable, you know, so which like kind of drives me crazy. So, um, I think the, I've only been in three serious relationships. So the person's been like, this is my boyfriend at the capital B. And, uh, my first boyfriend, he was actually going through a, a crazy situation where he had some kind of like an undiagnosed seizure disorder mm. that caused him to like, we would joke like he was Cinderella, like you would have to get a certain number of hours of sleep or he'd have these crazy seizures and sometimes he'd have like memory loss. Mm. So he was kind of dealing with that in a way that I feel like that's kind of also brought us together. Um, and then my next boyfriend after that, he, um, actually approached me cause he also, I, uh, when I used to do stand up a, a lot more than I do now, but back when I was doing it all the time, uh, he was another comedian here in New York City is, and he approached me because I was doing at that time a show and a podcast called Call Us Crazy, where myself and Evan Morgenstern, my co-producer, would book comedians who had a, a diagnosed, you know, some sort of diagnosed disorder. Yeah. And so he approached me and was like, oh, my God, like, I have such terrible OCD, you know, I never, I feel like I don't talk about it enough. I'd like to write some material about it. Like, could I do your show basically? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Do my show. And that was like kind of what brought us together. It was him being like, oh my God, I want to talk to this about, you know, about this and I'd want to know more about Tourette and whatever. So. Well, and that's uh, the thing is like, everybody's going through something. Absolutely. Like, exactly. And everybody's on some level of the DSM. Let's just keep it real. Like 100%. Almost everybody is. Some just more than others. And and or if you're not there, like you have like some other fucking issue. Like everybody's got issues. You know what I mean? And 100%. And it's about taking it with stride and like again knowing what you can handle and and being kind about it. That's all like Right. I feel exactly. like it's not rocket science. <laughs> Totally. And I think it also talking about these things or bringing them up on dates early on is a good way. Like we were saying, if you are just like looking to like have a casual thing, great. Talk mm-hmm. about it or don't or live your life. But if you are really in a mindset where you're like, I want to, I want to really date. I want to fucking find someone who I can be a partner with. Then if, you know, bringing it up early on can also be a good gauge of what the other person is looking for, you know, because if they're in the mindset of just like looking for something casual, they might not respond as kindly or as mm-hmm. interested, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell when someone's like, when do we get to the part where we fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh-huh, totally. uh-huh, Lyme disease. Interesting. All that must exactly. have Anyways, yep. ooh, it's getting late, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about, did you ever have any, well, I mean, I guess you did describe some crazy reactions and people doing, I mean, not, in- not so much, um, to be honest with you, on date. I guess I, I would always just get the look kind of like, 
are you going to die? And I'd be like, no, I don't think so. All my (laughs) tests come out really healthy, but but I'm not healthy. That was was so weird. Like, no part of my body came out like, like, hey, she's, you know, her levels are off or something is under, like, nothing came out. They just couldn't figure out why, like, random shit would happen. And that's just, like, what Lyme is. It's such a weird, roving kind of disease. And, um... But I would get more responses. So, like, I actually didn't tell um, – this sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I did not tell my best friends, uh, nor my brother, nor a lot of people really close to me what was really going on. I kind of lied to everybody for many, many years of why oh, wow. I was sick and, and or I would just disappear for a while. Like, my parents knew. But I felt like it was so overwhelming. I just felt like people would be overwhelmed by it. So I yeah. was scared to talk about it. Um, Until finally I did. And then this was around like once I had once I got treated for Lyme, then I told people. And like when I told my best friend who's been my best friend since I was seven, I told her like seven, eight years later, she was like crying. She's like, why the fuck didn't you tell me? And I was just like, I didn't want you or anybody to think I was dying because everybody looked at me that way. And, And when I moved to L.A. and I was like looking for roommates, I remember like telling a girlfriend here like, hey, you know, so like I'm healthy now, but once in a while I might get sick. And this is what it is. And I remember like her face was like, does that mean I have to take care of you? And I was like, all right, this isn't going to work. Like, weird, you know. And now again, like, now I'm much stronger about it. I'm very like, hey, there's this thing. Like, I have Lyme. I don't have it. It's not active that I know of, but I have limitations. You know, there are things I can and can't do. And that's life. Like, if you're around, great. If you're not, peace. Like, um, you know, I've learned to manage the worst parts of it alone, so I'm not right. too, like, worried about it. But it, it, I used to be very, very conscious of it. Um, and I know a lot of people who, like, have, you know, mental health issues or other chronic diseases, yeah. and they don't feel like they can tell people. Um, totally. And I feel like, you know, you got to build yourself up, too, as a person who has whatever you be, we have to be, like... The right people will stay and the wrong people yeah. will leave. And Exactly. You know. Um, and that's why, yeah, as hard as it is, you still have to, like, you should push yourself the, the best you can to bring it up as soon as you can. Because yeah. Exactly. It just, like, helps you cut to the chase. And also, just by the way, one of my best friends from college was recently diagnosed with Lyme disease. And she went through the same thing where for years she had no idea what was going on. She thought she was losing her mind. Like, yeah. You know, it just so. I mean, my heart is with you. Like oh. it's, 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 uh, it's. If she ever wants to talk, she a crazy can disease. totally hit me up because uh, I, yeah, definitely, I definitely, yeah, I'll know put you guys a in lot touch. about it. Um, we're gonna keep talking. Uh, we're gonna know. We're gonna discuss um, what you need to know if you're dating someone who's going through health issues and how best to respond to that. I think we definitely have some good tips there. Um, but we'll do that after this break. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, wah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. 
A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales. Hey friends, you're listening to Kind of Dating. I'm Natasha Chandel here with Chelsea White and we're talking about dating when you've got health shit going on. And the truth is we all got health shit going on, especially as you age. Um, all of 18 that I am. Um, Chelsea, uh, <laughs> why, do you think, why do you think people get like weirded out when somebody says like, hey, I got this thing going on? Uh, I lost the other question, Tasha. Oh, sorry. Why? Why? why yeah, no. We and it's so funny. We were just talking about this. Um, why <laughs> do people get weirded out when somebody says, "Like I've got a health issue"? I mean, because I okay. A lot of things. I think number one, a lot of times it's because they're projecting some weird shit that they're going through or insecurities that they have on you. That's kind of like my reasoning for everything that yeah. anyone does on any time. Uh, but then other than that, I think it can feel overwhelming if you don't know, especially if you're just getting to know somebody and maybe you don't know what you're looking for in the relationship. Mm -hmm. You can feel sort of conflicted or overwhelmed with somebody being maybe more vulnerable to you than you were prepared for. You know, yeah. I think that can be a weird moment for some people, but I don't know. I think more than anything, it's just sometimes people can feel uncomfortable when they're not sure how to respond delicately to something too, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like pe people, sometimes when people are trying not to be assholes can actually be when they can be the most awkward oh, yeah. and uncomfortable because you're trying to find the words or you don't want to offend, you know. So, And I think sometimes people think like it's added responsibility, you know what I mean? Like, shit, yeah. am I going to have to step in and I'm not, you know, again, capable or able or um, I also think another one is like that people just like God bless them, bless their hearts, haven't like faced adversity in that way. And so, you know, don't know how to deal with it when it's faced, you yeah. know, and like yeah. the lack of education around um, whatever the issue might be, I think is like another big thing. Like for, for you, it's like you said, people have a misconception of what Tourette's is, right? And how it manifests. Right. And, and so like people's responses are going to be dumb because they don't know any better. Um, totally. But this is why we're saying like, hey, if, you know, somebody comes out and tells you something, just like ask gentle, kind questions. Like, you know, you're just asking a friend like, oh, shit, like, what does that mean you go through? What, you yeah. know, um, tell me more about it. Because like, so you can get educated. Um, and because right. like I know I know when I had when I had the concussion, I think that was like a hard one for me because um, my brain capacity like was so, so low and kind of like, you know, a lot of times they say when with concussion, you're um, you're it blocks your processes of your brain. So normally anytime you're saying something, it's filtered through you know, a part of your brain that says, okay, say this much, say, don't say this, control your temper, don't whatever. And when your brain is like injured it, it, with that, it's why like athletes and stuff, they always say have outbursts. So you, right. you know, you, yeah. your emotions are very, very raw. So if you're happy, you're super happy. If you're sad, you're fucking on the floor crying. And if you're angry, you're just like snapping. 
And right. that's what was happening to me after my concussion. I was living with wow. my I was living with my ex and I'm such a calm person. So for me to snap, it's like like harsh um, right. and instead of like and I would always send him links I'd be like I swear I'm not being a crazy person can you like check this out like this is what a concussion is and like he would never really take the interest in like checking it out and so it would like oh, wow. become this thing like oh you you I can't believe you yelled like that and you said this and I remember my neurologist was like you need to tell him to fucking man up and I was like right. I, I know I their neurologist. But yeah my, my neurologist is like 75 year old man who's like married forever he's like is your boyfriend still being an idiot like tell him to man up and I was like I know I don't know <laughs> um but I think like that's so important right just like whatever you oh, have just if absolutely. you're a partner or dating somebody who might have something and you like them understand them like what they're going through you know try to try right. to really takes like an extra half hour on fucking google Exactly. And P.S. I do the opposite where my boyfriend played football all through high school and college. So every time he's being insane and we're having a fight, I'm like, this is because your brain's fucked up from all your concussions and you're just being crazy. And he's like, I don't even think that's true. And I'm like, I think it is. It could be, you know, because a lot of people get concussions and they don't even know. And exactly. And like they don't even know or whatever. Yeah. Um, What did what did. like you, I know that you didn't have that experience of, like you said, that traumatic memoir experience, experience, but what did you learn about yourself while you've been, you know, out in that dating world um, with Tourette's? Like, what did you learn about yourself through that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if anything, it did force me to maybe not, I guess in some ways embrace it. Cause honestly, I really similar to you didn't really talk about it with anybody, even my closest friends until I was in college. Mm. I kind of had this big, you know, would fall almost like a coming out to a couple of my best friends, like senior year of high school. And then I slowly got more brave about revealing it to friends that I met in college. And it was this weird conflicting thing. Cause on one hand, I just, I don't think I would have ever characterized it as like something I was ashamed of or embarrassed of, but it's just that like, sometimes you just don't want to have the conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's just like you're saying, like, it's easier to just not have the conversation. You want to just feel quote unquote normal, or you just don't want to overwhelm people. You don't want to sit and like answer the same questions again. And so I think when then I moved to the city and really started, started dating, um, it kind of forced me to embrace it and to be more find ways to be more vocal about it you know Mm -hmm. and that's when I would kind of develop these ways of like uh, you know how to kind of speak to it if someone did ask me like oh do you need a tissue I notice you're sniffling Mm -hmm. or do you need some water I notice you're having all those things into instead of just brushing it off like you know you're want to do and just kind of like oh no something in my throat like it's such an easier answer to just like not deal with it but to kind of embrace that moment be like oh you know what like actually I've tried, this is what it is. And I am like, I have a huge people pleasing problem. So I think to me that feels very uncomfortable because you feel to me, it almost feels like if I were the other person, I would feel embarrassed. Do you know what I mean? Like I would yeah. feel super embarrassed that I was like, Oh my God, like do you need a tissue? And then the other person's like, actually, no, I don't need a tissue. I have a neurological disorder. I'm yeah. like, I am an asshole. So, but I think, you know, you have to come to realize that that's not like, that's a normal just saying it in a polite way like oh no it's actually Tret and explaining it is mm-hmm. you know 
the best thing to do for everybody. So it kind of gave me a lot of practice, I guess, you know, like on all those dates, kind of feeling that out and, and learning like how to best approach it. And did it give you a lot more empathy? A hundred percent. That's like, I mean, I always say if people ask me like, would you, if you could take a magic pill and, you know, cure your threat, because there is no cure for threat mm-hmm. um, right now, would you do it? And I would say no, because I feel like it's just such a part of shape my personality and who I am yeah, and okay. has absolutely like given me that empathy and compassion. And, you know, it's, it's strange to think, would my personality even be the same in some ways, you know, because it's just sort of a part of, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's my brain. So, yeah. I mean, same with me as much as, as much as Lyme, you know, sometimes I wish it was like a little easier, but, um, <laughs> but I, I am always like, you know what? It taught me like my priorities in life. It taught me so much about myself. Like I, you know, when I was younger, kind of like everybody else, like I, was very emotional about small, small things. And now I'm just like, man, there's way bigger issues like to worry about. Like, let's not fucking fret and fright over dumb shit, you know? And just like who you are and, and knowing that in the world, you know, again, when you're young, you're like obsessed with whatever you're doing, especially for us in entertainment. We're very like, you know, I want to be X, Y, Z by this time. And then I like stopped and I realized I'm like, you know what? Other people will never have gone through the things that we've gone through. And that life experience is invaluable. And, um, and everybody has like, and you're not defined by that. Like for me, I remember being so sick one time that I thought that I was like going to die in bed. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is how I go. Great. Like I'm in so much pain. And I was looking at Britney Spears at the time. She just shaved her head and she came out of the car oh, with wow. her jeans open. Oh, um, yeah. And I remember going, Ugh, like, is that what you wanted? Like, that's what you like. OK, this person has fame. They have money. They have whatever they seem. And I'm like, but like, what is life? And I just had this like dawning moment of like, we're not any of this shit that, you know, yeah, this body and this and just like the things we do and the titles. And I was just like, you have lived an awesome life. If you were to go tomorrow, you still impacted people in an awesome way. Um, like Absolutely. the people who really matter at the end of the day. Um, and totally. so, yeah, I, I feel like it it like changed my whole perspective and made me like an 80 year old grandma. At <laughs> yes, I love that. Um so how how what what should people know when when like you know you're dating somebody who has like any condition like Tourette's yeah. or whatever like what should they know? Like I feel like they should also know that we also feel guilty about it. <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, yes, I would say for sure. I mean, that's like I was saying at, at the beginning of the of our of this episode like all I feel is guilt for like annoying people around me, mm-hmm. not only and just like them having to sit and listen to my weird noises. Cause also the, the irony and the like, um, penalty you get for like getting closer to me and me being more comfortable around you is that then I'm more comfortable to let my ticks loose because, mm-hmm. you know, I have a, I'm lucky to have a moderate case. Like I don't have a, a super severe case. So I can sort of control it or mask it a little bit during the day or like mm-hmm. wait till I like go to the bathroom and I'm away from people to kind of like tick out a little bit. So I'm not disturbing people. But then when I get home and when I'm around, you know, like 
my boyfriend and my best friends, that's when I'm just fucking crash into the wind, like making crazy noises and like, <laughs> you know, whatever, like elbowing my boyfriend because like one of my ticks is like moving my arm around. And so I'm constantly, I'm just apologizing to my coworkers and people of like, I am so sorry. And 99.999, well, I mean, maybe always, I've never had anyone be like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. We all, we yeah. Yeah. Stand. Everyone, you know, most people are just like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't even notice, you know, like I noticed for like 30 seconds and then it just became part of like, whatever the yeah. background noise of just being around Chelsea. So yes, know that we feel guilt all the time yeah. for things we're doing or things we're imposing upon you. And that um, like, and that like, uh, we had said this before too, that everyone comes with like their own set of baggage, you know, yes. and like everybody comes, like somebody comes with like daddy issues. Somebody comes with mommy issues. Somebody comes with like, you know, P- like whatever, PTSD somebody comes with right. you know exactly yeah or even exactly. I was cheated like, on that's a fucking issue <laughs> yes a hundred percent emotional baggage like yeah. that baggage from past relationships yeah just sort of like yeah exactly your own shit you're dealing with with your own like self image and insecurities and for whatever reason it's just like nobody is coming like I'm ready to be in this relationship mm-hmm. and everything is fine it's like no yeah. even if it's not something that you can articulate you know and that like you, the person you're dating might not in this moment that you're dating them even be able to articulate what they're going through or, or see it. You know what I mean? And sometimes that can be what's great about a relationship is like helping each other see each other for better and for worse. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and, and working on yourself. So, yeah, I definitely think that I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, if you, if you love somebody at like their worst when they're like ill or whatever, you're going to definitely love them when they're all cleaned up and at their best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. And I think that like, uh, like, how do you feel about this? I am like, I think the most people I know don't want anybody feeling sorry for them that they yeah. have whatever. Um, of course. Do you agree? Yes, for sure. Because I think there's, you know, a difference between like we talked about the kind of the guilt that comes along with it in mm-hmm. some way. But then the worst case scenario would be somebody feeling like... Uh, there's a difference between like the being compassionate and feeling like your partner is like taking care of you and wants to be there for you. Or like, there's like a, you know, crossing the line into like pity and yes. to, like, as if you're a burden, you know? Mm-hmm. So yes, for sure. Or just like you're a, you know, a delicate flower or something like that. When I feel like people who have some, something that they're dealing with are probably right. some, like some of the strongest people, you know, cause they are Absolutely. like battling every single day with, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I mean, even people who go through things, you know, depression and stuff, they're like warriors, you know, they every yeah. day have to like do something to manage all of those things. And I oh, think completely. like sticking it out with people who have something um, makes both people better, you know, yeah. um, and you create kind of like a bond, like an intimacy that that's hard to get in other situations all the time. Oh, like you see people like super definitely. vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, Chelsea, this has been awesome to have you on uh, to talk oh, no. with us I about. I just lost you again. Oh, no worries. Oh, you're back. You're Here back we now. are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I gave this like long dramatic pause so you didn't miss much. Um, but I was saying that um, it was lovely to have you on Kind of Dating to talk about oh, this because you. I think like it, it's so important. Um, and where can people find uh, more information on Tourette's? 
Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was so interesting yeah. hearing about, about what you dealt with with Lyme disease and what you're dealing with. And I mean, people can stalk me at the Chelsea White on all platforms, not because I'm an asshole, but because Chelsea White was already taken by some girl Fucking who's a model bitch. in the UK. So fuck you, other Chelsea White. Yeah. Uh, and then you can check out Ghosted Stories on whatever podcast platform you enjoy. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, and, how, and how can people find more information on Tourette's? Oh, definitely. You can check out the National Tourette Association, the Tourette, Tourette Association of America, um, their website. I believe it's like TAA. Dash USA.org. Just Google Tourette Association yeah. of America. That's how Google works. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and definitely, you know, they have obviously all sorts of great resources, not only for just if you want to learn more about it in general, like if you have a loved one that has Tourette, but also you can check out if there's a local chapter in your area because nice. we have chapters all over the U.S. and they're always, you know, providing great resources for people with Tourette and their families and like loved ones. I love that. Um, we're not totally done. I still have six questions to ask you. Oh, all right. Um, this is our, uh, so at, at the end of every show, we ask every guest the exact same six questions. It's our um, dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire made famous on Inside the Actor's Studio, but this is our original dating version of it. So I love it. Chelsea, here are your six questions. I hope that you can hear them all. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. The first one. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Oh, I'm going to say hair. I'm a hair person. Nice. Um, what is your one deal breaker? Oh, no. We didn't make it. I lost you on number two. That's okay. Give it to me again. What is your one deal breaker? Oh, definitely if he wants kids. Mm -hmm. I've never wanted kids. Nice. At least you know. At least um, I know, you know. What turns you on? Oh my God. Does everyone say like laughing sense of humor? That's what, let me think of a better one. No, every, no, everybody says something they totally don't? different. Okay. Laughing sense of humor. Or even how about just like clicking? Yeah. It's like ease of conversation, right? Yeah. Well, tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Um, strength would probably be, I guess I, I'd like to think I'm a pretty good communicator. I have, like, a pretty good emotional intelligence. I feel like I'm good at, like, sussing people out that way and, like, making people feel comfortable. And weakness would probably be uh, maybe that I expect the same in return, sometimes to an unrealistic degree. <laughs> That's a thing. Nah, girl, you're a girl. That's all. Um, <laughs> what is love? Love is... Being able to be your alone self with the other person. I like that. I like it. Yeah. Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um, I have food. <laughs> <laughs> the way to the heart is through the stomach. Um, yes. So, Chelsea, you already told people where to find you on social media. Thank you once oh, yes. again for being on the show. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Friends, we are also on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Kind of Dating. You know, Kind of Dating is presented by Meltdown Comics. Come visit us, 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you can take a few seconds and review us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. And send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there. 
but just try. Till next time. The show is produced by myself and Mason Booker, who's also the audio engineer. Our associate producer is Aisha Holden. Opening music composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis. Precision medicine holds great promise for treating genetic diseases, such as certain types of cancers. To drive progress, Harvard Business School Executive Education has developed a new program, Accelerating Innovation in Precision Medicine, which brings together leaders from business, science, medicine, and technology to explore new models for advancing personalized medicine. The program takes place on the Boston campus in September. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me precision. That's hbs.me precision.